on Texas football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com and Blake Monroe. Blake, this is his second uh, night with us. He was on last. Bobby, I, just had to start. I just had to start with those for you. I'm done now. <laughs> those, are not, those are not mine. <laughs> Only you. Oh, they're not yours. Now, you sure about that? They are on live YouTube. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, Jerry and uh, Blake here with me uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some football news uh, that we're hearing out of practices. Also going to uh, take your questions tonight, talk a little recruiting. Uh, Blake Monroe with us again. Blake, uh, a longtime Longhorn follower, used to work with him over at uh, 24-7 Sports. Uh, he is now in private business up in the, the West Texas area, uh, and uh, he is he's going to talk with us as well. Uh, I enjoyed having him on last week. He's been nice enough uh, to come back this week as well. Gentlemen, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Jerry, uh, give, yeah. what, what, what's what's going on with you in the bunny years? Is that because you wouldn't watch Connecticut win last night? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's uh, just getting into the spirit. You know, basketball season's over. I, I sat there and watched uh, – UConn played twice, and I congratulate them. Tip of the hat, great run. Um, I think Texas was the only team that could have beaten them that they had to run into. I mean, UCLA was injured, and I do think Texas could have beat them, honestly, after watching them twice. They're a very good team, not a great team, not invincible. You don't lose to Shaka Smart twice in seven games in the Big East to be an invincible team. I do think Texas could have beat them because they played in the mid-range so well. Uh, but we'll never know because that's what that's what uh, injuries were very impactful in this tournament. I have a lot of stuff going on uh, with uh, recruiting as well as uh, team news. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, latest scrimmage on Saturday, they worked out again this morning, had pra full practice. A couple of no names and news and notes coming up uh, today. Uh, we're hearing that Ethan Burke may have taken over as the first team edge opposite uh, Baron Sorrell. Uh, that's uh, noteworthy, of course. Uh, Justice Finkley had held that out, held, held that down for quite some time. Is it for is it long term happening or is it just a one time thing? We don't know yet. It hasn't been going on long enough for us to know for sure that that's the way things are headed. Uh, but it is probably the first big move of spring ball uh, that we've seen thus far. Uh, uh, Jerry, uh, Blake, you all have any comments on that? Yeah, I think it is a long term uh, thing because, look. And it was kind of known when Justice Finkley came out of high school, he's really good against the run. He's not going to be a pass rush type of player. Um, and if anybody had those expectations, those shouldn't have been the expectations. Um, Texas has to find pass rush. They have to have guys that are disruptive and can get to the quarterback. Um, and whoever's going to do that, I think, is going to rise to the top long term. Um, Alaska checking in. Very cool. Uh, does Jamon Tapp have the most upside? Does Chris Ross have the most upside? Arguably, yes, in that regard. Uh, but I think Ethan Burke in uh, year two. You remember Justice Finkley had a spring last year. Ethan Burke did not. So Finkley came in. That's the, that's what early enrolling does for you. Um, and I think ju I think Justice Finkley's really good in, against the run, but Texas needs pass rush, and they got to find it. I, I completely agree. Blake? You weren't necessarily on the ground with us last year watching the team and stuff, but you're as big a fan as they, as, as they come. And what were your thoughts about the lack of a pass rush last year for the Longhorns and what you want to see out of that position? Ovi Ogufu just wasn't the answer, even though he was the best the Longhorns had. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I mean, you know, they had to have somebody, but – Unfortunately, it wasn't something that was just consistent. Um, so knew that they would be looking at options this year and, of course, going forward. And uh, hopefully, you know, as you said, with with Burke stepping up, maybe that'll be the answer. Yeah, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned not only Burke, he also mentioned Jamon Tapp and Chris Ross today, uh, Jerry. Uh, another guy that uh, we're, we're out there on, on this uh, with as well. Uh, Jerry, anything going on in the world of recruiting we need to be uh, aware of? Uh, and then I've got some stuff from Sark on uh, Portal. Yeah, you know, uh, the official visit weekends are starting to come together. We and, and that will continue with April 15th is the live evaluation period. We got a lot coming on in April and May now in recruiting. It's kind of been get, kind of been stagnant, but it's going to pick up. The evaluation period starts April 15th. Texas coaches will be on the road the 17th. But the official visit weekends are starting to come together. We now have a, 12 guys, I believe for that June 23rd, 25th weekend. And what's an interesting one was Trey Owens. He had been telling me, I'm not sure if I'm coming in the 16th or 8th through 18th or the 23rd through 25th. It's going to 
It's going to be when the top receiver targets are coming in. Well, he announced his official visit as the 23rd through 25th. So if you're wondering when Texas is working on getting uh, Micah Hudson and Bryant Wesco and those guys in, it's obviously the 23rd through 25th, which means that visitor weekend could end up being upwards of 19, 20 kids uh, is what it's looking like. And we're going to have, I'm sure we're going to have a couple of a names to add here on the 16th through 18th as well. That one currently only has one. Uh, official visitor. Uh, one of the other interesting ones on the 23rd through 25th is Landon Cleveland, the safety out of Mansfield Legacy. Uh, same high school Jalen Catalan came from. Highly productive player, scheduled to announce April 13th. I think most of us believe that's Oklahoma State as of right now. Um, so Texas will, is in position there uh, to stick with him. Uh, we'll see how hard they push there. Uh, hey, hey, Jerry, this time last year, Jelani McDonald committed to Oklahoma State. That's right. That's right. I mean, and that's what that's kind of was my point starting the spring, uh, the the official uh, April and May live period for the evaluations for the college coaches, I think, can change some of this. It's going to change the board and it could change when they schedule some guys for official visits, because this is a very big part of the evaluation process. The kids have been going to the Under Armour camps and around. So they have some looks at some of those kids off video. They get timing, testing times, things such as that. So they know who's kind of made some jumps in that regard. Now they get to go out and watch these kids. And I do think that's why I let off that way, Bobby. I think the board can change. Um, and, and I think this is when it starts to change. And by the way, the portal opens up the April 15th through April 30th as well. So um, that's going to be huge. Uh, we'll be talking about that a lot too. How many, how many, literally, how many, um, spring games are on April 15th, not just Texas, but across like seven in the SEC alone, I believe. Yeah, it's it's Ohio amazing. It's on the 15th as well. I mean, a lot of big impact recruiting spring games. Yeah, everybody is is getting ready for uh, that live open period as well as the portal opening, in my opinion. And that's why they scheduled it uh, the way it does. Before we get going, I want to talk a little bit more about the portal, Jerry and uh, Blake. But before we do, I want to say thank you to our sponsor for tonight, each and every Tuesday night. Uh, it is Energy Texas. The folks at Energy Texas uh, are from Texas. It's Energy from Texas by Texans. When you call or have a problem uh, with Energy Texas, you're calling someone in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, uh, from Texas. It's it, With Energy Texas, it's electricity done right. Uh, give them a shout uh, if you have a chance to uh, change your provider or check out their prices. That's www energytexas.com. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship every Tuesday night. Uh, talking about the portal, uh, Jerry and Blake, uh, it, it looks like from what I'm hearing, Texas is going to look at, in the portal possibly for a, a blocking tight end at this point, uh, given that uh, right now they have J Jatavian Sanders and uh, Gunnar Helm. But after that, they really don't have a, a, that guy because Juan Davis just isn't that guy. He's not that size. Uh, and Otherwise, it would be someone like Spencer Shannon, who's just too young uh, and not even on campus yet. Uh, beyond that, we don't know what they're going to go after for sure. Uh, it could be and it could be predicated on who leaves the program uh, in April 15th. Steve Sarkeesian today talked a little bit about that, and I felt like it was very interesting. Uh, he not only mentioned that Texas would be seeing some players goodbye, he said, I'm not naive enough to think that Texas, we won't lose some guys to the portal. We're also going to have some guys coming probably. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting because uh, as a person that grew up covering recruiting, I mean, I say grew up, but my professional career has primarily been covering recruiting. Jerry's and Blake, you guys have done this as well uh, over time. It is very rare for a coach to be almost that uh, – <laughs> open about yeah. that fact but i think it makes total and complete sense given where today's game is at i mean you don't want to you can't play possum anymore uh, right. i grew up in a time when there was no internet and coaches would lie to kids and say oh we're only <laughs> recruiting one running back and all of a sudden on signing day they've got six you know that you can't do that anymore you can't hide it and yeah. uh i think steve sarkeesian's Steve Sarkeesian's uh, uh, tactic or strategy or just genuine openness about this topic, I think, is is where people know it's going. So you might as well say the truth. I mean, what the heck? 
Jerry or Blake? Yeah, it's also why you don't push for a lot of early commitments right now, too, because here's the reality. Uh, we're not just talking about a senior guy that could jump in the portal. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's going to jump in the portal. What if a freshman you offered that you're still high on jumps in the portal? Well, he may take a position of a kid you could have had committed. So I think it, I think Texas, as I've said this before, I think Sark's being really smart about the recruiting process, right? I mean, are they rec- creating as much re- high school momentum as possible? No, but that's really happens in June and July unless you just won two national titles in a row. Let's get real. So I think they're going, they're very smart about it because the reality is, do would they like to have an edge guy, a senior guy that could come in and be a difference maker? Sure. But what if two or three guys that they really liked out of high school jump in the portal and they're like, you know what? We like these guys better than guys we're recruiting in the 2024 class. That's one reason you slow play commitments and really slow down this process until June. I think it plays into the Blue Bloods' hands. I really do. Blake, you you never covered um, uh, the portal recruiting stuff professionally. You did you did the high school stuff, maybe some transfers, but not the portal. Yeah. Um, anything that you as as a you know you're 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 not on the sideline, but you kind of are right now. Anything that you would would ask Jerry or I about the portal that 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 are that you want to know that that kind of is like, how does this work or what's going on behind the scenes kind of thing? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Um, no, honestly, I would be curious to know, like, the, the coach's real thoughts on it. You know, I mean, obviously, it can be a, a blessing, but at the same time, it can also bite you in the butt just as quick. Um, and, you know, now with the, with the rules of changing on transferring and things like that, I, I would be curious to know real honest thoughts on the portal and if they see it as more of a positive or if they see it as more of a negative. Jerry, I, you, I, I think what both of us can answer that. Jerry, you go first. Though. I, I'm going to talk in multiple sports so people can guess which one I'm talking about. Um, the agents advisors are ruling it a little bit. And that and the college coaches are in a very difficult position in that um, in that because you don't you know, you're recruiting a kid. um, You may really like him, but you are you aren't in control anymore. I mean, you know, you you can have a kid that um, is on your roster now um, and the agent advisor could go that kid in that family. Say, I got a better deal somewhere else for you. And he's out. He walks out the door. So do the guys love it? No, they don't love it. Do they agree that the, the guys should be compensated? Yes, they do. But the, the current state of it is troubling to a lot of coaches. I, I think this is a great point. Every coach that I talk to, Jerry, and this is it, anywhere, they have zero problems right. with the kids making money beyond their scholarship. Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's it's unanimous in that regard. And I'm not trying to, you know, say that the scholarship's worth nothing because that's not where where I come from. It's worth a lot, you know. But my point being, uh, they they have no ill will. Uh, they don't. They think that the kids should be able to go where they want to go if they can't find a place to play and you know move around a little bit. If there is one thing they dislike, Blake, it's the nebulousness of the rules. Mm-hmm. Um. How are we playing this game? Is everybody playing the same game? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that's where, and, and, and the answer to your question, Blake, is it depends where you're at. If you're at Texas, you like some things. Mm-hmm. If, if you're at Mississippi State, you may not like as many things. <laughs> um, and I'm not, and that Mississippi State is a have in college football, by the way. They're not a have not. Maybe people might think that, but even that, that small difference, um, can can mat- make a big one, uh, in my opinion. And so the coaches, Blake, are, they're very much trying to figure out how to play it. I think the best ones, and Jerry, I'd love to hear yours and Blake's thoughts about, I think the best ones are dealing with it as it comes. They're not saying, oh, we can't be involved in NIL. They can't take these hardline stances 
like Nick Saban tried to do for a little bit. I mean, that was just bizarre. Um, he ended up clearly not taking a hard line stance and landed the nation's number one class, by the way. Um, and, you know, you can't be, you know, you can't be Jimbo Fisher and say, oh, we didn't take anybody with NIL. You know, that, that's just not true uh, in some ways. And so, and it's been proven out by their athletic director coming out and talking about how much money their, their players have gotten. Um, and so my point uh, in all of this is that there is a way uh, for this to work. I'm not sure we've landed on the right way as it relates to what exactly the rules need to be. When can players transfer? How often can, should they be able to transfer? Um, what What is fair market value determined by? Uh, should there be uh, a team salary? I mean, should there be a team salary? I, well, as minute, the minute that happens, employment law comes in and, and schools like the University of Texas may not get their state funding anymore because they're, they're a nonprofit, right? And so I, I feel like uh, all of those are questions that still need to be answered. Part of the problem as it relates to this, obviously, is the NCAA's uh, inability to effectively govern its sports, uh, it, especially the high, high, the highest dollar one, which is college football. I, I'm going to add something else. I, I think the and man, I, I don't want to say something that somebody might call me, and, but it needs to be said. I, I think the tough part is when the agents get involved on this level, it changes the game because you don't know what to believe. I can tell you that all the numbers being thrown out aren't accurate if you talk to a lot of people, but they're made to be accurate throughout the process. And I think that's where it gets interesting. When you throw the agents into this world, um, it gets really cloudy um, and it makes it really tough on these coaching staffs. Gotcha. Yep, I agree. All right, uh, we're going to be taking your uh, questions. Uh, we also had a poll question go up today uh, for uh, uh, the, uh, the the group here on On Texas Football. Uh, Matt, our producer's online. Go ahead and put that up and let Blake talk about it. Blake? Yeah, so Bobby, you asked this earlier. If not Quinn Ewers, who will be the Big 12's best quarterback in 2023? And, man, Jalen Daniels, just the majority there <laughs> voting on Jalen Daniels. Um, curious if either one of y'all are surprised by that. Jerry, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised because, you know, people can look at Kansas and say when Jalen Daniels was healthy, that team was really good. Yeah. Um, obviously you like to play Kansas later in the season than early in the season because their depth isn't there. But, um, I think Dan, Dylan Gabriel's a little up and down. I like Will Howard, what he did. Um, you know, what's interesting is. Tyler Slaw is a starter at Texas Tech. I'm I like their backup better, so I'd have put him I'd have put him up there with Jalen Daniels. <laughs> yeah, well, here, here's the reality. I, I didn't even mention there's actually some decent quarterbacks in the Big 12. Blake Shapen, I didn't even put in there. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know and I didn't think fans were as familiar with the UCF quarterback. He's a runner, more of a runner guy. Uh, uh the BYU quarterback. I I don't know those guys as well. So I didn't I didn't put those and make those parts of it. I like da Jalen Daniels a lot, but I think it's because he fits that offense so well. Um, it's almost like an offensive fit. Dylan Gabriel fits the OU offense pretty well, too. And so does Will Howard at Texas at K-State. You brought up John Reese Plumley out of UCF. I love him for UCF and Gus Malzahn. I think he is going to be put on a stage he hasn't been on in a conference before, and I think he's going to really excel assuming he stays healthy in that jump up in conference. But he is a talented athlete that, that actually is a baseball guy. Um, I think if we did this four games into the season, he might end up being number two. All right, let, let's get going. That's, a, that's enough talk. And let's talk. Let's take some yeah. questions. Jerry, hey, hey, else? Can I throw the first question out to you guys? I, I want an answer on this one. Hugh Freeze had an interesting uh, comment in his press conference. I don't know if y'all saw this. Somebody posted on Inside Texas. So credit to that person. He brought up spring games. Auburn needs to be able to play Troy or UAB. Alabama needs to be able to play UAB or an FCS school can come in and be a spring game opponent. I love the idea. I think from a fan perspective, um, I think it would bring a little bit more because you're always wondering, you know, twos versus ones, ones versus two, blah, blah, blah. It would actually give the game a little more competitive meaning I think um, 
Now, the Troy coach would probably say, no, I don't want my players auditioning for Auburn right before the portal. <laughs> that, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I was going to like, I can just see Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, bring a, bring UAB in here. NC State. And that, second, and that, that defensive end, I think I might be able to use him on third down in the third quarter, you know? And all of a sudden, a, a UAB starter is, is wearing a Crimson Tide helmet, you know? <laughs> I, I agree with you, though. Um, I love – I've been an advocate of this. I don't understand why they can't have in, in the NFL teams have practices yeah. against That's one of those yeah. uh, beyond just the preseason games. They actually have practices where they come in and do two or three days together. Um, that sort of thing I think is helpful and would be intriguing to college football fans. Yes. Um, spice up the game a little bit, yes. add some more uh, non, you know, one-on-one just, uh, ones versus twos, essentially, to what your your point is, Jerry. But I think you also got to protect those teams that do that, right? Because ultimately, uh, that's you know that would happen. I mean, Hugh Freeze would he would make a living out of Troy right now. Yeah, he would love to destroy players in the Auburn locker room and facilities, right? Yeah, here, here, <laughs> like, come join our, come see our training table this week compared right. to yours at Troy. I mean, you know, so I, I feel like that's a. I would love that some which way uh, you would have to deal with the portal uh, though at some point, Blake, what do you think about that? What you, you, you before this, I, I know you're a college football fan. So you're like, I'll take anything that has to do with college. Yeah. Football. I mean, on one hand, from a, from a fan side, it sounds great, but then you think about all the other issues and problems <laughs> that it could also create. And it, it sounds like it would just be a nightmare, you know, for, from many different uh, viewpoints, but yeah, fan, It'd be awesome. All right. Hey, Bobby, question. Could you then, let's say Texas State is going to have their spring game against Texas. Could Texas then charge, not regular game rates, but could they charge 25 bucks a head to get in, 30 bucks a head to get in that game, and that go to the Texas One Fund? Is that where it gets really tricky? Well, the Texas One Fund is actually sponsoring the Texas I know. spring game. I know. Um, so that's and what I'm so saying. Yes, the, the answer is yes. There could be some kind of um, agreement there. I would say this: uh, Colorado, under Deion Sanders, has sold forty-five thousand mm-hmm. uh, spring game tickets. Yep. I mean, it can be done. I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it. I, I think that as long as it's a glorified practice with your own team, not value. If they bring in Troy or Texas State, or you know, Stephen F. Austin, um, whatever, I, I, would def- I could definitely see that being a $5 ticket. Go sit where you want, you know, have the concessions open, uh, do that sort of stuff. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's go to the questions. Uh, please add any if you have any, uh, and we will get going. Uh, let's start here uh, from Rodolfo Esquivel. Uh, is this one of the better DB rooms we had in years, Jerry? Um, I mean, I think it potentially is right. I mean, some of that hinges on the health of Jalen Catalan. He is the all American level player when he's healthy. Um, some of that is going to be the step Terrence Brooks start that takes from year one to year two. Uh, does he become that honorable mention third team, all big 12 level performer? Not saying he gets that recognition but does he become that does he or does he become an nfl prospect junior year where people are starting to mention him in mock drafts um i think we know gavin holmes is going to be a good player i think we know what jaron thompson is going to provide i think we know what ryan watts is going to provide so really to me and malik muhammad's a really talented freshman right who in on on some former texas teams will really be competing for a starting job right now so i think it all is going to hinge on jalen catalan's health and, the, and how good is Terrence Brooks as a sophomore? If those things come through, then I, it, it's an arguable point. Sark had some more really positive things to say about Terrence Brooks today, Jerry, and Gavin Holmes. I, I know. I mean, I, I just tell you, I, I think that Ryan Watts, is he's going to have a run for his money. I don't know that he's going to lose his job or anything like that. But it's not a – it's not a Ryan Watts isn't walking into a starting role, uh, and that's one of the places that uh, are very, uh, very interesting in my opinion. All right, next question. Let's see. Jason Zittle says, did they get a linebacker? All last season mostly said that they need a linebacker. That's a great question. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I tell you what, they have they think they found one in David Benda as of right now. 
Uh, David is a, a fourth-year guy out of the Houston area. Uh, he has been a backup, and Sark talked at length today about how much he likes what Binda has done this offseason. And, guys, what what I felt was interesting, most interesting, Sark pointed out that it wasn't – it didn't just start at the beginning of spring practice for David Binda. It started during winter workouts. He said he spent more time with Jeff Choate, the linebackers coach. Uh, he spent more time really – he didn't use the word mature – uh, but that's the kind of the area that he was going towards. Uh, obviously, that's one of it. They did not sign one out of the portal opposite Jalen Ford. They did sign a bevy of them, including Anthony Hill uh, and Leong of LaFau, who are both on campus already and earning high marks. Uh, but they did not get one uh, out of the portal. Uh, so we'll see where that hey, goes. Hey, Bobby, let's make a point because uh... – well, we'll get to that in a second, Kim, but I want to follow up with this because we talked about it last Friday, the now or never players for Texas. And Benda was one of those guys, and, and we talked about who needs to be a now or never player. But if those guys, and we mentioned Alfred Collins, number one, uh, Benda, Keaton Crawford, I mean, it's their now or never years. If those guys realize it's now or never time, that's when you get a big jump from a guy who's been a – Underachiever, Alfred Collins, I'll be honest, underachiever or rotational player that has false stepped too many times, David Benda. And that's when you can see those guys make a big jump. So if they know it's their make or break year, that's when this stuff gets meaningful for Texas. Jerry, go ahead with this one, bud. Does Texas need a running back and tight end from the portal? We covered tight end, blocking tight end, yes. And I say that because if Spencer Shannon was an early enrollee, maybe not. But the fact that he's not coming in until June, um, I think pushes Texas to – uh, a need of an experienced guy that they can line up as an inline guy and help with the run game. Um, especially considering, look, I mean, it's still, a, it's, it's a returning offensive line, still somewhat of a young offensive line at times uh, running back. I don't think so. Not with the move of Savion red, the running back. I think he's a true running back. I think he's gonna be a very good player. I think they like what they've seen from Cedric Baxter. I mean, anybody that was around said, and I know I've talked about it. He's a very mature guy. So he was going to come in almost with a professional mindset in as far as his workman, the way he works in practice and in the film room. Um, and then, you know, Jonathan Brooks had the offseason surgery. Uh, Jaden Blue returns. Um, and obviously the reason you don't take a portal running back now is you're trying to get two in 2024 and you lead for two really good ones. I actually talked to somebody today and I'll throw it out. They said be, they wouldn't be surprised. They'd be shocked if Jarrett Gibson didn't end up at Texas. Wow. That, that'd be big time. Two, two years in a row, top running back in the state of Florida, perhaps the top running back in the country uh, going to Texas. To shard choice, Jerry, you called him a witch. <laughs> He's a witch. It was it was an affectionate term, not not a negative one. It's a recruiting witch is a very affectionate term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, any basketball high school portal recruiting news of, of note right now, Jerry? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The guys are really jumping in the portal. Some big names are jumping in the portal right now. Max, I Adams, big, the big center from Michigan is in. Yeah, he's probably going to go to Maryland because Maryland just hired his high school coach. You know how basketball world is, right? So that one's probably – Texas was talking to the kid, was thinking about flying up to see him, then Maryland hires his guy, and now you're like, you know, you kind of throw your hands up. That's <laughs> basketball recruiting, right? Harrison Ingram from Stanford, former five-star recruit out of Dallas, the St. Mark's. Um, he's in the portal. I mean, uh, the guard from North Texas is a very good player. Tyler Perry, uh, not the actor, is in the portal. Um, you know, Cryer uh, Cryer from Baylor's in the prior probably goes to Kansas State with Jerome Tang. But the portal activity is blowing up right now. Um, Texas really likes Reese Dixon Waters, the sixth man of the year at, uh, at Pac-12 at USC. He's a 6'5", 210-pound guard. I think Texas needs some size and needs a guy who's played a role like that. And they need some size in the backcourt. Um, and it can't just be a bunch of 6'1 guys running around. That's not going to work. Uh, you got to have some size. They're going to need a big or two in the portal. I hear Dylan DeSue wants to come back. We'll see what happens. Um, Dylan Mitchell, I don't expect back, period. Um, so – um, as of right now, can things change? Sure, but I'd be surprised on that one. Um, so Texas is gonna have to get a couple of bigs in the portal, I believe. Um, because they're not gonna go high school kid in this class, they will in the next class. Uh, but then it's gonna be a really they got to be very selective at guard. And Tyrese Hunter puts them in a tough position. Um, and I really feel for the colleges that have to go through this one now. When a what whether it was a big 12 freshman year, it's honorable mention level kid in the big 12. I mean. 
kids got to do what they got to do. But when you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to put my name in the draft and see what happens when I'm maintaining my eligibility. And he says, I'm coming back to Texas if this doesn't work out. Well, that, that's not until June 20th, mm. 29th. And that puts Texas and these colleges that have to go through this in a really tough spot because if Tyrese Hunter pulls the plug on June 27th, you are kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. All right, hey, uh, before I go to the next question, uh, before we go to the next question, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans, by Texans. Uh, when you choose Energy Texas, you're calling folks in the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, but Texas. Energy Texas, Texas Electricity, done right. That's www.energytexas.com. All right, Drew Smalley. Uh, what do you got here, Blake? Who is um, the biggest hitter on this defense? Good question. Jay, who would you think it is, Blake? Me? Blake, who would you think it is? Go, go, go Blake. Mm. I'm not even sure who I would pick on that. Uh <laughs> It's not J- Jalen Ford's not a big hitter. No, I was thinking more along the lines of a defensive back. Um, You're on it. Maybe Crawford. Oh, I think I think it's somebody different. I think I think Jerry's ready to talk about a transfer. I think it's Ryan Watts. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Except one play against uh, Young Bryce Young. He is a brings. <laughs> He brings a real physicality from the cornerback position. And if he gets a clean hit, he's a strong kid. He's almost built like a safety. Um, you know, I think I think uh, Jalen Catalan pre all the injuries was a striker. Now, what he is now, I question if he's going to play to protect himself or not. And that's fine. If he just wants to get guys to the ground for a year at Texas, that's going to be good enough. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's – I think Ryan Watts is probably my guy. As far as if you just gave a guy a clean strike, he is he's gonna he's gonna body blow somebody. I might go Byron Murphy too. Yeah, and Jared Jared Thompson throws his body around, but I don't know that he's necessarily a big hitter. Right. Anthony Cook was that guy last year. I mean, Anthony Cook separated the ball from a couple of people. Right? I mean, Anthony Cook helped save the Iowa State game. Period. End of story. Right. Uh, I think this conversation a year from now is going to be Derek Williams. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, J- James Williams put his question above. All right, here it is. I have a legit question. I know you keep saying that we need experienced players, but if we don't put the young guys in, we will never have an experienced guy because we didn't let our young guys grow. He's right. I mean, that that's the conundrum. I mean, yeah. it, it is. And Sark was actually talking about this today. And it, Blake and, and Jerry, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. So Sark was basically saying, look, we have guys that have been here three years that have done everything right and that are working hard. He didn't say everything right, but are are working hard. Keaton Crawford, right? Uh, David Benda. Uh, He mentioned Baron Sorrell, who has already been playing. But, you know, in a perfect world, he may not even have started until this year. Uh, He's just been forced into action because of the lack of people at the the position and, and his own ability as well. So... You know, there's there's a lot of truth to that, but how much, how many losses are you willing to take to let people That's grow? It. That's um, it. You know, Ethan Burke is an example. Ethan Burke, as a junior, after he's gained 25, 35 pounds of, of true muscle, is a different run, a different guy against the run than he is today, where he, he just is not that big, right? And so, are you willing to take an L? to play younger players. Um, most coaches would like to believe that there's a happy medium, right? You can get a little bit of that and a little bit of this and bring them along the way they should be brought along. Uh, and, and James, you're not, look, you're, you're not wrong about this. It's just a catch 22. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Blake, go ahead and I'll go after you on that. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I'm, I agree. I mean, I think it's a fine line that you have to walk and there's no perfect answer one way or another. You know, um, obviously you would like to get all the young guys playing time, whether that's in blowouts or whatever it may be, but that just doesn't happen in in the real world in college football for the most part anyway. There's not there's not preseason right where the the games don't matter uh, like we're talking about. There's not, um, you know, you have to come out and you want to be three and zero going into conference play. So, so, 
here's my thoughts. I think there's levels to this. If you're Dabo and you've won two national championships and your job is completely secure as long as you want to be the Clemson coach, you can do your own thing. If you're Steve Sarkeesian and you went five and seven and now you're eight and five and you know your coach at the University of Texas and the expectation is 10 wins and we keep ascending here, you're on a different level. It's There's levels to all of this. And I think it depends on where you're at and your uh, tenure at a school or your era at a school, how that is going um, and the amount of pressure to take that next step quicker. Um, I think that plays into this so much. Look, Kirby Smart could take nobody from the portal and nobody's going to question him. Same with Dabo, right? I mean, those guys can pretty much do whatever they want. If Bill Self tomorrow said, you know, I hate this portal stuff. I'm just going to recruit out of high school. People would be like, great, you won two national titles. We trust you. If you're not one of those guys, you're questioned about everything you do. And, and I think the pressure to win where you're at in, at that university, how long you've been there, how it's going, what that next step needs to be really does play into this. Uh, James Williams, T. Brooks, for example, he wasn't ready. Gavin Holmes. I don't necessarily think that, like, look, I think they took Gavin Holmes because they think he's a good player, not necessarily because T Terrence Brooks wasn't ready. Um, and I, I'm here to tell you, Terrence Brooks is going to challenge for starting time, whether it's against Gavin Holmes or Ryan Watts. I, I don't know how else to say that to folks because uh, Terrence Brooks is getting mentioned uh, almost on the daily from people behind the scenes as having a great uh, situation. James, the, the thing I would say to you about that is this. Terrence Brooks did some things early last year off the field of play that put him out of position to play early in the season. Right, Jerry? I mean, you, uncharacteristic. You know, yeah, it wasn't anything bad, but yeah, it was just but, but it was so he didn't get to see early playing time, not because of the on the field stuff. So people need to be aware of that without taking the kid to task for something because nothing untoward or anything. It's just, he wasn't ready mentally necessarily, right? He had some things he was doing. And so I think that what what I look at there is Terrence Brooks is going to play. Gavin Holmes is going to play. That They're going to eat into time of Ryan Watts, in my opinion. It's not going to be those two aren't going to play. Um, and frankly, Texas last year when they – nobody was ready last year. I mean, when Ryan Watts went out, it was a it was a – it was a bad deal for Texas. Um, you just think about the Oklahoma State game. Uh, you think about a number of different games where when they got injured, they they were down in the dumps with with numbers. So I, I appreciate the questions, James. Uh, you're on you're not you're not wrong, but there's got to be a mix. And I think that's that's to Blake's point. He used the term fine line, and I think that's a, a, a good way to put it. Uh, Jerry, I'm gonna ask you this one. OL questions from Daniel Kinneman. Where is Malik Ogbo in the OL mix? Is Connor Roberts in the backup center when he gets healthy? Ogbo's been running second team right guard, unless they've switched him in the last few days. I believe that's where he's been at um, with Neto at left guard. Cam Williams sticking at right tackle. Uh, got, kid's got a great pair of feet now. Uh, Malik Ogbo can really can – really, uh, pick up the puppies and put them down, as Bill Raftery says. But uh, but Connor Robertson was the backup center last season if Jake Majors had gotten injured. So it's Logan Paul, the depth chart. But if there had been a serious injury, it was going to be Connor Robertson. They really like Connor Robertson. Um, I do expect him to be the uh, uh, number two center when he comes back healthy um, in August. I don't. I have not heard any reason he would not be. Um, the only thing that could get tricky for all these kids is if you know, a Neto or Hayden Connor locks it down, left guard, or then they feel like maybe Cole should get a look at center, right? I mean, maybe they start shuffling some parts in August, uh, but I think right now Connor's the backup center. Got it. Um, here's a here's a question. <laughs> hey, Texas Dirty Boy, I don't know how you going to ask what that name is. Thank you for the super chat. We appreciate it. Uh, guys, if you get a chance, uh, please do us a favor and, and like and subscribe to our, our – uh, video here we're uh we're we enjoy doing this we enjoy visiting with you guys jerry and i talk about it off the off offline all the time this is one of our uh highlights of the week we enjoy talking to you guys one-on-one -on -one and, and getting those uh questions in i'm gonna give you this too as well uh right now we have a, a spring sale at inside texas 
If you have not tried Inside Texas, this is only for first-time subscribers. For four months, for $1. Give us a try. Go to InsideTexas.com. If you don't like it, cancel, be done with us, etc. cetera. Uh, but for $1, you're not going to get a, a better deal than that. Uh, and it's something that uh, we really uh, think people uh, will take advantage of as they go forward. All right. I got to get this one in. Uh, I, wanted you to, I wanted you to ask this one. Glad you went back to it. Okay. Yeah. Why are we so far behind in recruiting now, Jerry? Cameron Parker wants to know. My answer is Texas isn't. I mean, yeah. Texas is big game hunting. Um, they're setting these official visits. They're getting more kids on campus here this weekend and for the spring game. They're seeing where they're at with some of these guys who maybe haven't been on campus before or haven't been on campus in a couple of years. Uh, I mean, look, um, Brandon Baker, number one or two ranked offensive tackle in the country, is cut from uh, is from California. Is coming to the spring game April fifteenth. Texas has five guys scheduled for official visits. If he wants to be the sixth, he's going to be the sixth. Um, they're pushing for that kid. It's just you got to get these kids on campus, and then you got to really formulate your official visit process. Uh, Jaden Jackson's coming in this week, and a D lineman from IMG Academy. He's originally from Indiana. Um, Texas has been trying to get the kid on campus for a couple of months. You know, these these kids have visits other places. Um, you just got to make all this work. And, uh, you know, Terrence Hibbler out of Mississippi, the lineman was on campus uh, for the second junior day. He's now set up an official visit for June 23rd through 25th. So I'm, I'm leading all into one thing here. The majority of the guys that Texas really wants, they're going to go through this June official visit process. And then they're going to decide July, August before the senior season. That's the timeline 75% of these kids are on right now. Um, and Texas knows that. But it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier. See who, see what the needs are coming out of spring practice. There may be a guy they need to get could grab out of the portal that's a two- or three-year guy that changes who they're going to take in 2024. So I think there's so many things at play here and the spring evaluation period from April 15th to May 30th when the Texas assistants are going around the state and the country looking at all, uh, top targets and some other kids that they might like on tape that they haven't seen yet. So I think all that plays into a patient approach, and we, we got to give Sark credit. He was They were patient from the get-go when they got the Texas, and it worked in their favor. They got some coaching carousel help with Mario Cristobal in year one, but it doesn't matter how it happens. It happened. And I think their patient approach is the smart approach. Hey, hey Blake, I want to ask you this. You're, 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 you've got the pulse of the fan a little bit, in my opinion. Do you feel like they're behind in recruiting, or do you think it's because there's just not as many commitments coming in? I mean, I personally don't. I think that, you know, and this maybe stems from me covering recruiting back before Transfer Portal and all that stuff happened, but I just think that the recruiting landscape has changed so much that you're not going to see, like we saw, you know, with Mac Brown, where it was just boom, 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 February, we're 20 commitments in you know, hey, we got a year to kind of coast and, and wrap up the last five. Uh, I think those days are long gone. And so, no, I, I don't personally feel that way. I think, as Jerry said, you know, they're going after the top prospects in the nation and it just has to play out. All right. and Bobby, I want your comment on it. NIL has to pl it plays into this on some level, too. Kids aren't going to rush to commit as much anymore as they used to. Nah, yeah, I mean it's 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 a business decision now, right? Um, uh, that doesn't mean that some people don't make rushed business decisions, though. Correct. Correct. <laughs> people can let's rush for Let, Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that there's that element of it, um, and I I've always believed that recruiting is individual. Like you try to say all the North Shore kids go to here or, you know, he's got five friends that go to Texas or I, you know, every time you try to make a big, broad, sweeping statement, it, it just recruiting hits, knocks you on your butt and proves you wrong. It's just, no, uh, you don't want small school quarterbacks like Colt McCoy. You know, you don't, he's only 165 pounds. You know, oh, you don't want guys that uh, it's every time you try to make a sweep, a broad sweeping thing like that. I, I believe that NIL matters, but I think it's so individually, uh, Jerry. Some kids, it doesn't matter that much because the, the money at, at play is minimal or, or 
it, you know, it basically slept one place the same as another, you know, I, I feel like that's, that's really what, what I would uh, worry about. All right. I'm going to go to uh, next to Ryan. Uh, Ryan, which players have you heard have improved the most from day one of spring ball to now? Um, let, I'm going to try to answer that guys. Uh, I think uh, I would say Keaton Crawford and David Benda. Although I've heard mixed reviews at times of Keaton Crawford. I'm not fully there on him flipping the switch and automatically being a starting quality safety yet. Um, boy, I would, I would probably say Savion Red uh, because I saw him that first practice, guys. Uh, Jerry, you did too. You saw him with me when we were up there. And he was – you could just tell he was teaming with talent in, in where he was. He was behind the – he was like four string behind the walk-on. Right. And we were like, who's the walk-on, right? Um, and now for Sark to sit there in today's press conference and say, uh, he's – he's a good inside runner and this is a former wide receiver. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and he's talking about some of the same things we've talked about, Jerry, where are talking about a, uh, uh, a uh, wildcat quarterback in high school. Uh, right. And so yeah. all of those things uh, make a lot of difference. Jerry, you, you, you have anybody, Blake, you have anybody you're, you're uh, interested in? Well, it's not the punter. Um, so let's see. <laughs> It's just not the punning since we're waiting on Sanborn here. Um, you know, mate, it, maybe it's Alfred Collins. Maybe it's, um, you know, Aaron Bryant is getting some – is playing well against the run, right? I mean, maybe do we have to throw Ethan Burke out there. He's the one that's taken over a spot from somebody. How many guys have taken over a spot from somebody? Um, and I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw another one out. Um, you know, I, I – you got to say Malik Murphy's improved because he's actually been on the field, <laughs> you know? That, I think that's fair. Um, all right. Next question here. Go ahead, Blake. So Sark was non-committal on personnel packages in today's presser. Do the scrimmages confirm that or do your sources say he's using a particular personnel package over another? And that comes from CW Stanfield. Um, I, in listening to that and knowing what some of what's going on, I don't know everything that's going on, obviously, but knowing some of what's going on behind the scenes, there's definitely a lot more 11 personnel uh, right now. Uh, but what Sark actually said, uh, he, he's, he was non-committal uh, on what he's working on the hardest right now because he says he's working on all of it, but he will ultimately choose which way to go sometime in the fall and say, okay, this is what our bread and butter is. And now he said, now we may play a team where our bread and butter is not good enough and we're going to have to revert and do something else. Um, but I, I firmly believe they're going to be more in 11 personnel this year. I just, I don't see any other way, Blake. Uh, they're going to have to because it fits what they are uh, as with the receivers they have mm -hmm. uh, as a strength of the team and what Quinn Ewer's strength uh, is as well. Uh, this one's from King me. Uh, Jerry, can you name a second stringer that if he had to start six games, the production wouldn't drop off? That's a great question. Um, maybe left guard Neto. Um, I, I, I just think he's got such a high ceiling. I think a couple of games of real experience, full games. And I think he might take off. Um, I would say if Ryan Watts is a starter and Terrence Brooks is the backup, that for sure. Um, I could even see a scenario where, you know, if if Anthony Hill were to push and get on the field after he gets his feet wet, just his ability to play downhill. Yeah, I, I think that's those are fair. I I, I, I was going to mention those. I, I think that I think that the running backs after Jonathan Brooks might be interchangeable, um, but I don't know. That it, it feels I, I think you got the right ones. It's certainly not tight end, right? It's certainly not some of the receivers. I mean, maybe it's Jonte Cook and Xavier Worthy at some point. Um DeAndre Moore. Yep. Yeah, interesting. 
Um, all right, next question. Thanks, uh, King Me. That was a good question. Dave Shacklovitz, uh, I believe an early portal transfer is more valuable than a late portal transfer. What is your opinion? Um, Jerry and, and Blake, I, I'll tell you where I go on this. It it all depends on what the need is. Yeah. You get somebody injured late spring and you got to have a stop gap that you need somebody in there to plug a run hole as a defensive tackle. That dude's really, really important in June, right? Um, but to your to your point, particularly for skill position players and on the back end of your secondary, I think it's better to have them in earlier so they understand the scheme better. That's it. And, and can get acclimated. I, I don't know that it matters as much on the front. Uh, you know, maybe it might matter at offensive tackle more than offensive guard. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know because you'll have a, a better idea of, of what you heard. Blake, this one's for you, buddy. From Derek Morian, what game are y'all most looking forward to with the new teams added? Does not have to be a Texas game. Man, um, I don't know. I haven't – I'd have to have everybody's schedules in front of me. Well, Taysom uh, Hill is no longer playing for yeah. the so. <laughs> I, I was going to say maybe <laughs> Texas Revenge on BYU, uh, you know, something like that. I, I don't know. I'd have to look at the rest of the Big 12 schedules, but for, for Texas, it would probably be that one. Yeah, I, I think so too. Jerry, you have one? Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, I got a, a UCF at Kansas State for me. Well, is gonna where be, did that come from? It's going to be – well, it, it's because I'm interested to see, you know, Kansas State – I, I love the way they play in the Big 12. I think it's a little different, obviously. But I'm interested to see UCF really stack up in the Big 12. They have some really fast guys. They have experience at quarterback. I'm really interested to see how Gus Malzahn is going to fare in the Big 12. And just because Texas is leaving the Big 12 doesn't mean we won't follow what happens in the future. I'm really interested to see how UCF does. Um, because in, at Kansas State, I mean, it, it, you, if you look at UCF's schedule, they weren't it, – it, it isn't easy. They're at, they're at K-State and at Kansas both this year. Um so I'm very interested to see how UCF does, how they fare, because they need to have some level of success, I think, out of the gate. Because there's a one school – you know what BYU is going to do in recruiting. You pretty much know what Houston's going to do in recruiting in, in Cincinnati. But UCF is interesting to me because, you know, South Florida's had so many coaching – you know, another, another coaching change. Um, and there's so much talent in the state of Florida that they can actually rise in the Big 12 if they get off to a good start. So I'm interested to see what they do in year one. Hey, you know, one we didn't mention, by the way, for not, not on this question, but on the last one, Isaiah Nayor and uh, A.D. Mitchell, mm. when, when Nayor comes back. There you go. That, that'll be an interesting one because I, I'm not sure what the answer is there or if that's a, an appropriate one, but I'd, I'd love to know just yep. what Isaiah Nayor is going to look like once he gets back and, and is healthy. Um, just, I, Blake, this one is strictly for you, and it's not it's not a bad one at all, I don't think. Uh, it has I to do with – I already know what you're going to put up there. <laughs> I'm looking for it. I just love it. <laughs> yep. As soon as I saw that come across earlier. <laughs> El, I, the El Jag pro Project. Since there are no new episodes of King of the Hill, can we get West Texas Blake and East Texas Justin on screen at the same time? As soon as I saw that come across, I was like, Bobby will put that on there before the end of this broadcast. I, I have to, man. I, I absolutely have to. All right, uh, Jerry, quick question for you. Uh, we got a couple more minutes, by the way. Uh, I need to say thank you to our advertiser and sponsor, Energy Texas, here in a second. Uh, we have a couple more questions uh, to before we round out the night. Jerry, this one's for you. Uh, Michael Hernandez, quick question. How does the D-line looking overall to the rest of the Big 12 and outside the conference? In other words, is it a strength or, you know, where do you think it'll it'll end up at the end of the year? Yeah, I think uh, out, outside the conference, um, you know, you take out your usual suspects, uh, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, you know, those guys have recruited at an extremely high level on the line for a while now. Um, I think within the Big 12, you know, look, 
a lot of this, I hate to put it on one guy. I think you know what you're going to get from Sweat. I think you know, kind of know what you're going to get from Byron Murphy with another year of experience. I think Broton's a known. He'll be a disruptive guy. It's not going to play the run well. It's going to come down now for Collins. If Alfred Collins becomes a third, second round level pick, he's being talked about in that way, then the Texas defensive line will have had a really, really good year. Um, I hate to put it on one guy, but, you know, you lose Coburn, you lose Ojimo, and somebody's got to step up. And the only guy that can step up and be as good or better if he actually maximizes his talents, Alfred Collins. Um, and then, you know, you get to, to Ethan Burke and a couple of those guys on the edge. Uh, I think in the Big 12, um, if Alfred Collins has a good year, I think Texas is going to stand up to anybody on the defensive front. I don't know what you think, Bobby, but, I mean, I think they stand up well with anybody. Uh, maybe not as a whole as far as edge rush ability, but I think uh, against the run, just depth-wise, I think they're going to be pretty good. Can't forget about an improved Baron Sorrell. Correct. Um, because he's almost that Byron Murphy level, right? He's hard one for them to replace the hard one for them to replace those Mora Ojomo. Right. Um, because he was so good against the run. Yeah. And he could play multiple positions. He could play three, could play five, uh, technique. Um, and so I feel like that's the missing link for what they, they don't have this year that they had a year ago. Um, because I do think that any combination uh, at edge will be better than a Gufu. I think Sorrell's improved. I think Sweat, you talk about contract years, he's got one. Uh, Collins has got one. Uh, Byron Murphy may be on one. Uh, so I, I think all those guys are are okay. They miss, they're going to miss Mora Ojomo as much uh, as anybody. All right, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, <laughs> King of the Hill is coming back. Didn't know, Didn't know that. That's Didn't know a that. great show. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I say, uh, before we go to these last couple of questions, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is by Texans for Texans. Uh, when you subscribe uh, and become a customer of Energy Texas, you're dealing with folks from the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is Texas electricity done right. That's www.energytexas.com. Uh, all right, let's keep going here. Um, here's one. Watts or Benda finished the season as starters from Football Junkie. Um, if I had to bet, I would bet that, that oh, you're making me, you're hurting me. I like Ryan Watts, but I'm going to say David Benda uh, as long as he's healthy. As long as both of those are healthy. Because I do think that, that Terrence Brooks has as much upside as any player on the roster, just about as a corner, he may not have the upside because of the speed. Uh, but I, man, I could see him being a, a nickel next year so quick. Um, and I'm just so high on him. Uh, Jerry Blake, where y'all go on this one? I'm going to say no on both. Um, I think I, I, you know, obviously I, we had been in the Under Armour All America game when I was at ESPN. I'm a big fan, but I'm going to have to see it on the field consistently. Got it. Blake? Man, I'm if I had to pick, I'd pick Watts. And yeah, because he you. started I'm, last year. I, I'm with you on the Brooks deal, you know, and I, I could see it going either way, but I think Watts is the safer bet of those two. Gotcha. Um, all right, we'll keep going here. A couple more. Thanks, uh, football junkie, for the uh stuff. Question This is a this is a little touchy one from Derek S. Uh <laughs> Why does Jeff Banks get such a pass for his inability to recruit, quote, dudes at tight end? It's the weakest position on the roster. Also, why does the state of Georgia put out more four- or five-star tight end talent? Um, first of all, Jeff Banks does not just recruit tight ends. Um, he is the one guy that is a crossover recruiter with Steve Sarkeesian across the, the entire country. So he may be he may play second on just about every guy that Steve Sarkeesian has has kind of plotted out to be their number one guy. So just realize, not I'm not talking about a running back that Tashard Choice has got or uh, what have you, but Jeff Banks is more than just a tight end recruiter. Uh, first of all, as and so I don't I don't necessarily, and I I would definitely say that Jatavian Sanders is a dude. Now he didn't recruit Jatavian Sanders, and it's been two years. 
uh, since he hasn't gotten anybody that's been that dude. But uh, I, I don't, I don't think necessarily think that's indicative of Jeff Banks as a recruiter because he's got. I, I don't. I want to say he's got bigger fish to fry, so to speak, as his as it relates to the rest of the recruiting class. Jerry, why does the state of Georgia put out more four and five star tight end talent? Do they they just literally they have more three. They actually probably use more tight ends in their offenses over there than than they do in the state of Texas. They, they, they do. Um, but I think just, you know, doing this job nationally for quite a few years, being part of the Under Armour camps, um, inviting those kids, put, building those rosters. Uh, to that point, what he's answering is, I don't know if I have the answer for it, but there's more 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 230, 240-pound guys at 17 years old in Atlanta, in that area, <laughs> that are basketball players, football players, and are physical players i think that is the key they're physical players it's like i jokingly say you know i've never been in a high school in the state of florida where somebody didn't run four or five and they may not even been playing football but they ran four or five i mean it's just like florida has the fastest dudes right um and they all play on grass fields so it doesn't always show up but georgia's you know they just i never had a issue filling tight end position in the under armor camps i'll say that <laughs> in the state of georgia at the atlanta camp and other places i did they are more big body fast twitch athletes um in that area um and then in the north carolina has a lot of those kids too uh, both just, carolinas both carolinas yeah I, I will say this when i first started this i used to do a each and every year i would track where the uh, nfl players came from what high school they went to when I first started this, California was first by like 40 guys. It was like two, 215, and Texas was like 175. Florida was like at 150 or 160. Okay. Georgia and Pennsylvania and Ohio were really close for that fourth spot. Now, if you look at the NFL, it's Florida, Texas, then California, then Georgia. And Georgia's catching up. Yeah, I know, by a very clear margin. Yep. Population density, all of these reasons, uh, and that—that's over a thirty-year span. I'm old; I've got gray in my beard here. Um, but over a thirty-year span, I've seen that happen uh, in uh, college football and pro football, where uh, Georgia has taken on. It, it is the clear number four state in the country when it comes to producing talent, whereas those Rust Belt states, Ohio and Pennsylvania. Jerry, they're still proud football states. Don't right. not not taking anything away from it, and they play really good football there too. By the way, yes, um, not taking anything away from it. It's just not the same anymore. Not the same. All right, guys, uh, Blake Monroe. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah I, I know we got. I know we got to wrap this up, but we should get in discussion another time because Texas is moving to the SEC, and I, I think it really began a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, with when Bowden, you know, and FSU kind of started to fall. Jadavion Clowney, those kids go to FSU in the 90s, right? Those kids stayed at home and went to the SEC. And my point is the SEC has been so dominant in that region that they're getting all their kids playing high school football because they see all these kids winning awards, going high in the draft. The parents see the, see all these possibilities for their kids. There's more big athletes playing that came out of Alabama last year on the defensive line than any year I can remember. And they're leaving AAU basketball earlier to just focus on football in those states. They start out playing basketball, but I just think the domination of the SEC has brought all these kids into helmets and shoulder pads and their parents pushing it because they see what can happen. Well, you can't argue results, <laughs> you know, and that, and that's the reality of it. The, another state, I was always amazed, Mississippi, which is, I think, one of the five lowest uh, states in the country as far as population or mm -hmm. 10 lowest. It's one of the 10 most, most uh, one of the 10 most populated states from a uh, per capita in the NFL, right. maybe the highest. I can't remember, but. Louisiana has really blossomed even after they lost so many players with Katrina sending them, whether it was to Alabama or Texas, um, the, those, sh those States along I 10 and I 20, that, that corridor has just been amazing. Well, just think about if you're a parent in Alabama or Georgia, 
and you say Nick Saban's had what 80 something first round draft picks in the last 13 years and however many guys drafted and now Georgia's winning national championships and had a thousand guys drafted last year and they're all making big money playing football um that's gonna push football (laughs) buckle up your chin strap son that's gonna push football let's be real (laughs) what do you think about a mouth guard instead of of a headband right Right. (laughs) all right uh that's uh that's gonna be it for tonight uh i appreciate this good good off-topic conversation Blake uh, Monroe, uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, you. Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas, myself, Bobby Burton. Uh, that's been this episode of On Texas Football's Longhorn Livestream. I uh, want to remind you that we have that special going on at Inside Texas. If you want to he- read articles from Jerry, myself, uh, Justin Wells, Eric Nalin, our publisher, uh, please give us a try. Real special right now. Four months for just $1 for first-time subscribers. Uh, It's a very introductory rate uh, for your first time giving us a go. All right, guys, we appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, We'll see you again soon. Tomorrow, I've got State of the Program with Eric Nalin. Thanks.